stop Ouija. I don't have enough arcane power. Where am I needed? I need fury, not enough hatred. Resupply here! Spawn more overlords. They're taking the point! I can't for me! Yes! Victory! Greetings, friends and fellow gamers. Welcome to this episode of Not Enough Resources, a bi-weekly gaming podcast hosted on roguesportal.com. You can find us on Twitter at N-E-R Podcast. My name is Ryan. I am your host for this afternoon, evening, or whenever you might be listening. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan M. Holt. I tweet a lot about StarCraft and the Overwatch League, and this week I am joined by my illustrious co-host, Dylan. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent over here with my cool new microphone. Uh, glad to check in. Let's get this podcast started. Fantastic. So I'm going to jump right in. Um, I want to ask you a question, Dylan. And that question is, what have you been playing? What's now playing on your uh, playlist there? Um, as you guys know, I, if you listened to our last episode, I jumped into the new World of Warcraft uh, Battle for Azeroth. I, uh, I played through the leveling. Um, I've done it one and a half times at this point. Um, I did some of like the end game solo content, but I haven't had a chance to get into the multiplayer content yet. Um, outside of just like some some standard uh, uh, like BGs and things. Um, but I did get to do I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember what it's called the three man like siege thing where it's um, you and two other people, either versus like three NPCs or three players, and you're just trying to control a part of the either the the horde or the alliance, depending on your your opposite um, uh, land. And that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, but that's a, it's a good game. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I've been dabbling a little bit. I played a little bit of Overwatch this week, um, and it's still a good game. I don't like Bridget. She hurts me but uh yeah uh, it's it's brigitte that's that's how you pronounce it yeah. um i just i say that because it's become a meme um everybody pronounces it their own way and it's kind of funny um so like you said you um i want to talk about warcraft and then i want to jump into overwatch because i've got some new experiences with overwatch as well um with world of warcraft you said you've been through the leveling experience one and a half times are you doing the thing most players do will they'll do you know level their horde character because that is the right faction and right choice level that character first and then dabble with the filthy alliance character next or no actually um i have a, a group of friends who are interested in getting into um the heroics running heroics um but none of all of us leveled a dps as our like first thing and so a friend of mine and I are um, leveling a tank and a healer together um, so that we can start doing heroics with with three of our other friends, our selfish friends. Perfect. So you just drew the short straw. Are you doing tank or healing? Uh, I am doing my blood death knight. So I'm going to tank it up. <clears throat> perfect. Perfect. Good to hear. Um, and you said like the 3v3 weird conquest kind of arena mode is it different you said it could either be versus npcs or um player characters with those npcs 
do they have like better AI than like some of the other NPCs in the game? Are they like stunning and interrupting you and like using cooldowns? Is it a challenge? Um, so I've I've only done the versus um, versus other players. Uh, I just knew that that was that was like an available thing. I do. I'm gonna assume that they are the um, in the like PvP zones in Legion. Uh, there were some like pretty tough AI that you had to fight um, that would use skills. Basically, they had like um, an alliance version of like every class, and they would cast like two or three different spells. And the the major thing was that like if there was a healer among those three, they would heal your allies, and you would need to like target and kill them first, or like stop them from healing because they had just like an obnoxious amount of health. So it wasn't like super challenging, and and it's not like they were stopping you from getting your spells off um but i would assume that they've they probably pushed that forward a little bit i haven't looked that closely into it yet though so okay um so back to the overwatch stuff it's been a while since you've played um you know you mentioned uh baguette and you don't really like fighting against her no i got Um, one shot and it was like where did that happen from well, what about um, some other new heroes? Because you haven't played since, like, uh, Bridget's been uh, released and Wrecking Ball's uh, new. It, does it give, like, enough of that fresh paint for you to, like, keep coming back? Or is this just something like, oh, I got 20 minutes to kill, I can play. No, I actually think um, I'm probably going to spend the rest of uh, this evening um, after a recording playing Overwatch. Um it was cool. Hamtaro was running around, uh, and he did like he dropped some mines. Like it was very cool because there were a lot of like visual indicators that I totally was just not ready for. And I haven't played like enough Overwatch that I'm super aware to begin with, so it felt like chaos and new to me. But I was still felt pretty successful. Um, I actually discovered that uh, my settings on my mouse, um, while they worked okay for me in League of Legends. Part of the reason that I've, I haven't liked playing shooters is because my mouse just moved too fast. Um, and so I, I was playing Rainbow Six Siege and turned my mouse settings, and now I've kind of gone back and picked up some of these shooters that I like, bought or like just kind of had and have been playing them and just finding a lot more enjoyment. Like I was playing uh, McCree and Hanzo both and was like finding... I wasn't good, but I was like getting headshots and, and actually landing landing stuff where before i felt like i could never land everything and it kind of drove me insane so but it does it feels um it feels fresh and new to me especially like uh what's what's her name the the centaur um or or ori arisa arisa Arisa, thank you arisa um so like i had did not play a ton around like arisa um uh or even uh man i don't i'm sorry i can't remember the punch punchy man too um, Doomfist, yeah, Doomfist. I, I got on and I played some Doomfist just because Doomfist was cool, but I didn't play, like, I, I'm, I'm probably going to jump into competitive today, actually, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Nice, glad to hear, that's actually what I wanted to talk about, because that's what I've been doing, um, usually Overwatch for myself, I always complain, like, oh man, I don't have time to, like, follow a meta, I just don't, I don't have time for it, you know, I have a full-time job, I have a wife, I have a kid, I got, a, I got other stuff going on. But um, on a whim the other day, I was just looking at the menu, and it was like, oh, arcade mode, mystery heroes, Ah, do I really want to? And I backed out, and I saw competitive, and I was like, you know what? 
I'm, I'm going to play some competitive. And it was the first time I've played competitive since like season two or three. And like, I don't really care about the meta. I thought these things that were going to like hold me back were not, were not a factor. You know, I was just like, oh, well, I'm going to play a healer and I'm going to stick to healing. And, you know, if team composition allows me or doesn't allow me to play a healer, then I will, you know, move to off tank or something like that. Like I had a set goal in mind. I had a set purpose and that really helped. And I really like having the ability to like give endorsements at the end of the match. I think that that's really helped just elevate everybody because everybody's more aware of like what they're saying of, you know, their toxicity, things like that. And I think that was like a really cool way for Blizzard to kind of like lean the community into more positive aspects of gaming. And it's just, it's, it's been a treat. I completed all of my placement matches on the last day of the previous season and then did all of my placement matches for this uh, current season uh, earlier this week. And it's just been a pleasure just playing a little more seriously, getting to pick my character. And I've, I've been really enjoying it. It's really weird because I thought, oh, that's not for me. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I think... Um... I, I bet it helps that you that you are maining. I would assume is is probably like the. I assume that the problem is usually that you have like five DPS players, right? Yeah. Um, and and so I've I've heard that like if you can have fun and convince yourself to like have fun playing in a support or like an off tank role in a game like this or, or any role based game really. That you can find a lot more enjoyment in the competitive scene, um, and I was really happy to see that. Uh, what, what did they call them? The little uh, the endorsements, like the, the boosts, endorsements. Yeah, the, I was really happy to see that at the end of my game. Um, it, that positive aspect to any sort of competitive game it does really help keep people in line, and they do get a feeling of like when you do bad and you get like a good teammate because you you won and like you. You can do bad, but you can make yourself carryable, right? And so I think that is reinforcing, like, just because you're doing bad doesn't mean that you're going to lose the game and doesn't mean you should flame people mentality that a lot of competitive players do. Yeah, well, and, like, the other thing is that I've noticed is people seem to be more aware, like, just having a competitive presence um, through the Overwatch League, people are aware of, like, what's a quote-unquote good pick and bad pick um i want to come out and say there is no good pick there is no bad pick play what you're comfortable with play with what you want you know blizzard's matchmaking system is really good it'll put you where you need to be but like because there's this increased awareness of what the pros are doing and certain strategies on maps i found that competitive play is kind of gravitating not towards those strategies completely but Kind of like, you know, like a, a watered down, you know, we're not pros, but this works for them. We're going to try it. And that's kind of a cool experiment as well. So did you find a lot of success on, um, I know that you're a big Zenyatta and uh, a Lucio fan. Um, is that what you've been able to play or have you just been picking like the best healer for the situation it's a little bit of a mix um i try and lock zenyatta early on um because i do solo queue i don't go through the group finder um and i try and lock zenyatta early on but i'm very aware of like 
oh, I'm Zenyatta, and the other person picked a healer like Moira. Well, those are two, like, really good situational healers. We're going to need somebody with a little more oomph. So, like, I'll switch over to Mercy. Um, I, I typically stay in the support role, mostly Mercy, Zenyatta, and uh, Brigitta. Those are the three that I kind of stick with. And then every once in a while, like a Lucio on a control map. Um, and that's just something that's like being facilitated based on the composition our team has. One thing I do find very, I don't want to say um, bad, but very frustrating is uh, it's still very difficult to communicate with people that they need to switch characters because I think people take offense to that. And I don't know what the solution to that is or how to fix that. And I I don't even know if it needs to be fixed because that's just, you know, if, Oh, you, you suck as a DPS. It's like, no, I'm not saying that you suck as a DPS. I'm saying that this fair is killing us. If you're really good at DPS and really, you know, good at like soldier 76, maybe switch to like Widowmaker so you can start sniping, the Pharah out of the air. And like, it's very hard for people to understand that. And I think that's just like, that's a social barrier. I don't think that's a game barrier. Yeah. And that's, um, that's a very uh, like American problem. I think, um, well, I don't know. I don't want to get into that. So I, I retract my statement, but, um, there is a, a, a role thing there where, um, you can't, I don't know, we're just not very good at taking advice, I think, or, or like playing, playing for, playing to win instead of playing for ourselves. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and then the other game I really want to talk about real quick, I don't really have much cause I only got to play through the tutorial, but, uh, Spider-Man on the PS4 is super fun and super gorgeous and it's great, but there are, uh, I, I have some issues with it just a couple of control things, but I don't know if that's just, I'm not used to the controls or it's badly designed. I, I, I haven't made up my decision on that yet. Um, basically what it boils down to is a lot of buttons in previous Spider-Man games, you would have like a melee button and then a web button in this game. There's like two or three different web buttons and they do different web functions, but it's just, it's difficult for me to piece together like when I need to use this web button instead of the other one and what the differences are. And like, I I died like three times in the tutorial. Wow. Is so with the three web buttons though, are there web combos? No. Okay. All right. So like one of them is like a web grapple. It's, it's used to like start combat Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you tap, um, r1 to like shoot web balls to like web people up and then if you tap x and then x again instead of doing like the traditional double jump he'll jump and then do like a web towards any wall or building or anything like that um in the direction you're holding the analog stick um but it's just weird like having all these different web functions when like in the old games it was just like one web button I don't yeah. know. I, well, I think you, it's you just a learning curve. Off of, like, the lighter, heavy punches. But I just, I can't believe, like, I can't believe that, um, 
I don't know. I think it's just getting used to it, and I think it is hard. Like I think it is hard because it's when when did Spider Man two or the Spider Man three game come out? The Uh, Sam Raimi one. Uh, the Spider Man three Sam Raimi that would have been like two thousand five two thousand six. Yeah, and to me that I guess no, there's been Spider Man games since then. Um, I know that there's the Ultimate Spider Man or whatever. Yeah, but I mean like. I don't know. Like there, there's been a handful of Spider-Man games. There's like one every three or four years. Um, there was one um, when they did the uh, the second Andrew Garfield, The Amazing Spider-Man Two. When they did that movie, there was a game that year as well, and that one was fine. That one was decent. Uh, this one is is absolutely gorgeous. It's done by Insomniac, um, the guys who did like Sunset Overdrive and Ratchet and Clank. But um, there are there are two things I really want to mention. First off, um, one is even though it's not a part of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or, you know, it doesn't like follow the comics panel for panel, like it's its own thing. Uh, one thing that's really interesting is all of the sound cues, the sound uh, design, the soundtrack, Spider-Man's main theme is done in the same key as the Avengers music. And it starts with the same three notes. And, like, it kind of, like, got me, like, oh, this is, this, I'm an Avenger, you know? Like, even just that that little hint, yeah. you know? Yeah, So that was really cool. And then um, the tutorial is just, uh, Wilson Fisk is like, oh, man, we're going to arrest Wilson Fisk. Like, he's he's terrorizing the city, which, like, okay, like, as a tutorial, yeah, you, you want to learn combat? Like, Wilson Fisk, that's that's a good one, right? Um. But he, the, the voice actor who does Wilson Fisk and the way that the digital acting is done and things like that is very, very, very close to what Vincent D'Onofrio does in the Daredevil series. So it's, it's kind of weird having those two, these three worlds collide that, you know, this new coat, fresh paint Spider-Man, this little bit of like MCU Avengers, and then this little bit of like MCU Netflix stuff kind of like sinking in. I'm, I'm very eager to play it. Um, I'm planning on playing it all weekend, so I'm sure I'll have something the next time we cast into Hype? Yeah, very, very hype. Um, so, yeah, that's that's all we got. Um, let's move on to news. Um, we're going to start with a, a somber note, and I do apologize for that. But um, it would be insensitive of us not to mention um, the shooting uh, a couple weeks ago in Jacksonville, Florida at a Madden tournament. Um, two esports professionals died. Uh, Tyler, spot me please, Robinson, and Eli True Clayton. We we send our condolences. It's really, really sad. And I'm super angry that this happened to something I love. Even though I don't understand football and the draw behind that, this is still something that happened to the gaming community and it really sucks. But um, there are a bunch of charity streams that are going to be going on. EA's throwing one. Um, they have donation links on their Twitch page and they're throwing their charity event this weekend. So if you really, really want to help, I highly recommend checking that out. And we send our condolences to the families and anybody that was hurt or injured. Yeah, it was uh, a huge eye-opener, I think, to the gaming community um, that this doesn't just happen at concerts or 
schools or it, I mean, it can happen anywhere. Um, and for it to happen at an event where it's just a bunch of people gathering around and enjoying something they love is heartbreaking. Um, and so we really do send our, our condolences to the family and the victims, um, involved. And, uh, I, I, uh, yeah, if you, if you have the means, um, get out there and donate. If you don't retweet one of the, the, uh, donation streams, the EA stream or, or any of those other ones, um, they, they yeah. appreciate it. Those retweets, I know it, it, it sounds like it's such a selfless and self-promoting act because we associate all of that with, you know, narcissism and personality, but it, it really does mean a lot. The more eyes people can get on this, the better those victims and those families will be off because the more people that help them, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. People should help others. So, unfortunately, unfortunate that we had to talk about that. Um, but it, it does need to be said. So, moving on. Um, Dylan, how do you feel about esports in the Olympics? I think it's a great idea. I think we need to... Uh... Anything to get esports more exposure, to get people um, more uh, aware and comfortable with the idea that like esports are here to stay. They're very competitive. It takes a lot of skill, a lot of hard work, um, and very few things take that much like hard work and skill than getting into uh, an Olympic sport. And so I think esports is, is a perfect one, especially considering, I mean, they still have all those no, no sponsorship rules and, and things like that. And it would be a great, I think it's a great way to like feed younger players into the growing professional esport world. What do you ask? So Variety published a really good article this weekend, or this past week, excuse me, um, talking about the Olympics coming to esports. This is something that's been talked about for years, been kicked around, um, you know, earlier this year. Um, before the Winter Olympics, there was, you know, like uh, esports exhibition matches and exhibition tournaments before the Olympics, um, including I know there was a very prominent StarCraft II tournament that I watched. Um, it's, it's a good idea. I think it should be done. The Olympic Committee has problems with how, quote unquote, violent games are, and they don't want to promote that violence. And I think that there's very important intersection to be had i agree violence is a bad thing but the way can, can we go ahead can we use the olympic language of killer games please Ugh. just just because i think it's funny i mean yeah the, the, the olympic committee calls them killer games and like <laughs> i know i know what they mean by killer games they're they're talking about your call of duties your battlefields things like that because Honestly, that's probably the only optics that the Olympic Committee sees. You know, Call of Duty is still a billion-dollar event every year. That's a lot of money. That's going to get a lot of press. That's going to be what those people see. But, you know, I, I don't think killer games include things like like StarCraft. I think they're, they're very against first-person shooters because they don't want to advertise a gun on the screen that looks like somebody is shooting somebody else. Which is weird because then you get like 
triathlon and biathlon, like winter triathlon and biathlon events. And like, I don't know. Like, what what about boxing? That's inherently violent. That's two guys literally beating the crap out of each other. Like, I don't know, Dylan. What what do you think about this? So I I do agree that maybe the jumping off point shouldn't be first person shooters. Um, there are guns involved in the Olympics. There's archery in the Olympics. Um, but I do think that, like you said, like boxing is inherently violent. Um, I do think that like professional boxing and and when I, I said this uh, earlier, right after I, I read the article, um, that well, like professional boxing is better than Olympic boxing because in Olympic boxing they have to like wear helmets um, and it's more about the scoring. And then I thought about it more and I was like, well, that's more sportsman like when you think about like it's about the scoring. It's about how many times can you touch the other person's face with your gloves? That has nothing to do with hitting them as as hard as you can, which is kind of what professional boxing devolved in, has devolved into. Um, the other one that I wanted to talk about that I thought was kind of interesting um, is wrestling in the Olympics, which is a pretty violent sport in my opinion, uh, versus wrestling in uh, as as like professional wrestling, which is the WWE, um, which is pretty excessive. In uh, in it, it is a spectacle of violence, um, fake or real. I mean, you be the judge. But um, I just think it's kind of silly when there's something inherently violent about sport. Um, maybe it's just that it is uh, a battle, right? Like there's a winner and a loser. Um, there's tension there. <clears throat> uh, so I don't know. I think the Olympics is just. Is being kind of silly. I do think, of course, like, yeah, modern warfare and and battlefield aren't going to come in as as like major esports in the Olympics. They're not, in my opinion, they're not major esports like compared to what most people think of. Um, I think mean, real gamers, I think when they think esports, they think of StarCraft, like you said, or a MOBA or um, uh, Overwatch. Which to me, I mean, I think Overwatch has a better shot at becoming an Olympic sport than pretty much any first-person shooter. Do you think that's because of the success of the Overwatch League? Um, I think it's the success of the Overwatch League. I also just think the aesthetic is a lot better. It has this international feel built into it. Um, kind of like, what do, you, what do you think the first uh, fighting game to be brought to the Olympics would be? It's, it's got to be Street I, Fighter, right? I mean, look at the way think... the... the in the OG one, you're flying from place to place. I think if you want it to be successful, it has to be Street Fighter. I don't think it'll be Street Fighter. You think it'll be Smash? But if... No, it won't be Smash. Hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think it'll be Smash or Street Fighter. Um, I don't think it'll be Killer Instinct. I don't think it'll be Tekken. I think if a fighting game is going to make it, it's going to be something that is is more cartoonish. So maybe Smash. Maybe Smash is the answer to that. I don't know. Um, I think Street Fighter is a little too realistic, um, especially the later iterations, since they have, like, battle damage and things like that. And I think if if you want it to succeed, it has to be Street Fighter, Mm -hmm. right? If you want it to be a successful eSport in the Olympics, as far as fighting games go, it has to be Street Fighter, but I don't think it will be because I think Street Fighter is 
I think Street Fighter sells too much of a fantasy compared to what the Olympics wants. You know, I think the Olympics, they try and strive for realism. They try and strive for some stuff that's grounded. And, you know, fireballs and teleportation and things like that. I think that that is a step too far for the Olympics. Yeah. I think... I think people on the board won't understand that, won't get that and be like, oh, well, he's shooting fireballs. That doesn't make any sense, so we're not going to put it in our Olympic Games. I guess you know? that's true, and it's it's probably true of, of Overwatch as well. Um, but I guess I'm just... I was more thinking along the lines of, like, the representation in both of those games is up to snuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think representation-wise, as far as characters, as far as national pride i know like in overwatch um right now the overwatch world cup is going on you know everybody has their skins the american team plays in red white and blue the brazil team plays in their greens and their yellows like uh, you know all of the sprays are national flags there's there's a lot of national pride that's just built into overwatch not to mention you know the large swath of characters because it's based on earth each character has like a country of heritage that they call home I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. Those two have the best chance as far as representation. But the problem with that, when you look at that, is like, oh, man, here comes the North American team. They all can't play McCree. Yeah, (laughs) that's very true, right? And, I mean, Hambone and and Winston, too, kind of of mess that up and... Yeah, or, or like Bastion, or, mm-hmm. you know, I know Arisa, like, some of them even hail from fictional count- countries, so, like, I get where you're going, but, like, I think the Olympic Committee is going to be turned off by so much stuff before they even get to that conversation. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I do think, um, yeah, so I guess it would probably have to be a game where, like, the game itself isn't isn't like grounded in anything like I think that. like I mean Star Starcraft is a good example. It's not real war, right? Because it's space war. Yeah, but I think I think that would turn a lot of people off on Starcraft. As far as the Olympic Committee goes, I think the best shot that you would have at getting an esport or a game into the Olympics, I think honestly the first one, it's got to be a racing game. It's got to be like Gran Turismo or Forza. I think those, I think those two would probably have but have I feel the best like chance. They, of they don't it. even have like race, like racing, racing cars, which is the thing people really do in real life, too. Well, that's true as well. So I don't know. I think it, I think it's a can of worms. Um, I think it's yeah. inevitable. Well, I would like to see it within the next, you know, 8 to 16 years, the next two or three cycles of the Olympics. I think it's further off than that. Um, And I also think, you know, you you have a point with the boxing. Like, boxing in the Olympics, you know, everybody's wearing helmets. It's scored very differently. It's played very differently than what at least us in America here see as boxing, right? And I think that while the Olympic Committee is going to sit – and dawdle and twiddle their thumbs and be like, oh, when is the right time to introduce esports? What game do you pick? Blah, blah, blah. While the Olympic Committee is going to do that, I think you're going to see the Overwatch League flourish. And I think eventually the Olympic Committee is going to have to come to Blizzard, going to have to come to Riot, 
and say, hey, we want your game. And I think Blizzard and Riot are just going to be like, no, we're yeah. big enough. Well, we and I think that's Olympics. why the Olympics, uh, I mean, they need to do this sooner than later. Um, uh, the Olympics is, has been losing views and like a downtrending because um, us, us millennials are killing the Olympics. Uh, boosting the avocado industry and getting rid of the diamond. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what we do. We pick an industry. <laughs> oh and yeah, destroy it. Sure. It's an organized effort. <laughs> yeah, didn't yeah, you get the memo last week? No. <sighs> rubber bands are silly. Reusable. Use paper clips. Um. But yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I just I think the Olympic Committee needs to act on this now and not later. And I think that's honestly going to be their downfall is by the time the Olympic Committee gets around to it, it's going to be too little too late. I mean, Twitch is already eclipsing most television shows in television channels in viewership nightly. Like, I think that ship has already sailed. And if the Olympics want to correct course, they need to have something. And plus, like, think about it this way. The next summer olympic games are going to be in japan home and birthplace of like the video game industry why wouldn't why like you need to lean into that like even if it is just like a smash invitational or a mario kart thing or you know i think something like nintendo based um actually no i got it i know exactly which one you would do first for um competitive olympic play and it would be pokemon Ooh. Yes. Please. Yeah, that's that would be so good. That's the one. Because I think I think Pokemon has been around long enough. I mean Pokemon came out like that same year that like StarCraft came out and things like that. But I think Pokemon has a more universal understanding than um StarCraft yeah. does. I think Pikachu's, Pokemon would be the right one. Pikachu's as recognizable internationally as Mickey Mouse is. Yeah, well, and like, even when they finished the last summer games, they opened and, you know, they were like, oh, well, let's get a preview of what's coming next. And, like, they had Hello Kitty on stage. The Olympic ambassador for Japan jumped out of a warp pipe. He was dressed as Mario, and then he ripped off the overalls, and there was a tux underneath. Like, they're already leaning into that, like, otaku aesthetic. I, I think Pokemon. Pokemon would be the right one, I think. I think that's the key to getting the youngins and people like us interested in the Olympics. And then, you know, after Pokemon, you can have things. I think, you know, you would have to have Pokemon for like two cycles in the Olympics. And then you could do street fighters. You could bring in your overwatches, things like that. Yeah, I think, um, and this might, this is probably, I, just, I was reading about competitive Pokemon this week. Um, cause I was thinking about getting back into it. Um, cause League of Legends has just left a void in my, competitive heart um uh that there is like a lot of complaint about how much luck is in it and that's why a lot of people turn to smoggin which is basically like its own rules for pokemon um instead of playing like the official pokemon thing even though there is no like way to make money or do cool things with smoggin versus regular pokemon um but it's still i mean that's a great gateway that's a great gateway drug to esports um on a on a huge platform stage like the Olympics, absolutely. So, uh, speaking of esports, let's move into the competitive corner. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I'm excited about the competitive corner because um, we are talking Overwatch League season two. 
I know it's very far away. Season 2 does not start until January. Uh, the Overwatch World Cup is going on now, so there's a lot going on. But uh, my big thing that I'm super excited about is uh, there are eight new teams coming to the Overwatch League. We were way off. We were estimating there would be at least four, hoping for six. And there are eight. Completely overshot our expectations. I Dylan, honestly you... can't believe it. Like, eight is nuts. I mean, almost double the size of the league overnight, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to completely change the structure of the league, too. And I think that's... It's, it's going to be interesting, especially, like, once they start talking about, like, what the schedules are for Season 2, um, you know, how, how the divisions are going to be divided up. Like, all of a sudden, we went from 12 kind of scrappy little league here to overnight we have 20 teams now. And, you know, we're going to have 10 teams in each division. And, like, you can hold a serious, serious, like league structure with that yeah well and i i mean i i was even reading um that they were open to two to four more teams um that they were well it's that and and just that europeans are really hopeful it seems like there's no european investors that want to hit the number that blizzard's put down to buy uh an overwatch franchise um and they were which is weird yeah considering like london won season one let's let how about this let's run down the teams and then i want to hear your thoughts all yeah, right absolutely so uh here are the new teams there's going to be uh two new u.s teams uh one in atlanta georgia and one in washington dc there's going to be two canadian teams um toronto and vancouver one european team added paris and then Surprisingly, uh, three Chinese teams, uh, Guangzhou, China, Hangzhou, China, and Chengdu, China. So uh, that brings that, that means there are four Chinese teams in the league now, two European teams, two Canadian teams, and then everybody else is North American, uh, with the exception of Seoul. Seoul's the only South Korean team, which like really surprises me. I'm surprised that there's not like a Busan yeah, team. Yeah, I thought we were getting What do you think there. about like these eight teams that we're getting? Um... Uh, yeah, again, I'm very surprised that we didn't get to see a Busan. I'm surprised we didn't see a Tokyo. Um, or a Rio? Or a Rio, yeah. I, I'm, I guess the, the most disappointing thing is that we're not on a new continent, right? Like, I was really hoping to get a Rio or... Um, or like a Sydney, Sydney or cool. New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and since we don't really have a... It doesn't really matter, like, the players don't have to be from there and the players don't have to live there. I, I feel like it would have been easy to, like, place it in one of those places. But, um, yeah. Well, in Season 3, they're going to move to, which, like, you remember all that stuff we were talking about, like, six, eight months ago? About, like, jet lag and, like, flying people across, like, international date lines to play this game and things like that. Like, that's what Season 3 is going to yeah. be. Yeah. Season 3 is going to be you know, each team is going to be in their respective cities and play home and away. And like, that's going to be really interesting too. Yeah. That's going to, that I still am really uncomfortable with that whole idea, but I mean, maybe they think that, um, like maybe we'll have Sydney and, uh, uh, is it Auckland? Yeah. Auckland, New Zealand, 
Um, and then we'll have like Seoul and Busan, and then three Chinese teams at Japan. Maybe throw in like Vietnam, uh, like a Vietnamese team or something. Get that up to ten, and that'll be its own league. And then, I mean, we're pretty close to. Or are we at ten in North America? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're yeah. at ten, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But the the other thing is is all of them are on the East Coast. There's like three West Coast teams and all of them yeah, are in California. Yeah, which is, that was another kind of weird thing. Um, for... Yeah, I'm surprised that like there wasn't a team that was announced for Seattle. I guess like Vancouver technically counts as West Coast, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say Vancouver just counts as Seattle, um, sort of. Like, I mean, Seattle could have its own team, but that's just, yeah. Um and then, but the really interesting one, uh, so did you read up on, what's the third Chinese team? Is it Chun, Chengdu? Uh, yeah, Chengdu, um, they're being funded. I, I actually have the list up of who's funding each team. Yeah, uh, Chengdu is, really is funded by uh, Huya Incorporated, which is a live streaming platform in China, which like blows my mind because like Twitch isn't sponsoring a team. I mean, like, the Overwatch League, like, broadcasts on Twitch, so, like, I could see it kind of being, like, a conflict of interest Yeah. in that weird kind of way. But, like, Amazon doesn't have a team. Jeff Bezos doesn't own a team, you know? Yeah, well, so here's, the, here's like, the weird thing, is that the owner of the, that streaming company is Tencent out of China, who also owns League of Legends. Yeah, who owns Riot who Games. Who owns Riot and Games, yeah. And PUBG, too, right? Uh, I think it's PUBG, yeah, which has just been a disappointment to them, I think. Um, but, yeah, so I, I thought that was really interesting um, that we're kind of seeing. Uh, but, I mean, Tencent's just so big. I mean, it's logical. Um, but, yeah, like, what's up with Europe? Yeah. We got Paris and London. Um, we didn't get, I mean, we, we were all, I think all of us, when we had that long discussion about it, were thinking we were going to get a Northern European team. Yeah, like uh, Finland or Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. And, like, I'm really excited for the Canadian teams because, like, Canada has, like, a really storied, like, esports history. Mm-hmm. Um, they've fielded a lot of League of Legends players, I know. They've fielded a lot of StarCraft players. But um, they've also fielded, like, the one they are, like, super known for is, like, Counter-Strike Go players, which is another first-person shooter. So I think, I don't know, I think... The, the two Canadian teams are going to be the ones to look for. Um, we don't have marks. We don't have names. We don't have colors for any of these teams yet. We just know that they're coming. But I think it's really cool to go from like 12 to 20, just, just like that at the drop of the hat. I think it's just going to do well for the league, and I think for esports in general. So that, that uh, brings me to like a question for you. Um, two questions, actually. The first one, uh, what's it like going through like your first real off season following an esport at the level that you do? Um, man, it is frustrating as hell. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, so like the other big thing that happened uh, these past weeks. Forget the new teams. Forget season two. That's looking way forward in the future. I want to look like the past two weeks. Um, the big thing that's like driving me nuts is seeing all of these press releases from the teams being like, okay, well, the season's over, so we're releasing this player, or we're hiring this player, or we're getting rid of this coach, and like things like that. And it's driving me nuts. I'm watching like Twitter like nonstop. It's, it's weird. It's the most addicting thing 
I don't know. Because, like, I've never gotten involved on this level with, like, a sport either. You know? Like, I remember telling my wife, like, when uh, the Overwatch League finals were going on. And, like, as a London fan, London's in it. They're, you know, they're up 1-0. They have to win two maps. It's Saturday. And I get up and I'm giddy. And I'm energetic. And I'm just like, oh, man, is this what, like, you know, like like Patriots fans feel like all the time. I mean, we all hate the Patriots, but do they feel like this like all the time? Like <laughs> this is unnerving. Like you're just on edge all of yeah, the time, yeah. right? I don't know, but like the big thing like so the big one was um the Shanghai Dragons released all but 3 of their players. So Shanghai only has 3 players. They can't even field the full team. And like I'm going to be really upset if like they're adding three more Chinese teams. There's going to be four Chinese teams, and the Shanghai Dragons are just going to be like at the bottom of the bottom of the heap again. Like I'm really worried I that think, that's going to happen. Because like I think you oh, should be man. worried. It's it's frustrating. The Shanghai Dragons. They did you see the last the three players they kept? Are they they're all Korean, aren't they? Yeah, uh, they. Yeah, yeah they're think, all Korean. Which like that's another weird thing. But like oh man. Yeah. Well, and I think that was. I mean, we talked about this before. The thing that was they were shooting themselves in the foot over was that they they were require requiring them to learn and speak Chinese, um, and I think that they were. My understanding is that they were three of the better teams. This is just kind of what I or three of the better players on that team that I mean didn't win a game right, like the whole season. So yeah, yeah, so absolutely. I'm, I'm interested as to like I I figured they would have looked to drop that and looked to try and build. The, the Chinese super team because I, I felt like that's what their goal was at the beginning. Um, and But instead they went kind of this completely opposite direction. So... Uh. Yeah, because I mean, you know, I know this is a British saying, but you know, all for queen and country, right? Yes, yeah, right? Um, and then the... I will say, like, it's got to be... I'm really excited to see how many moves as far as players, like, being dropped and um, from, like, all these different teams and all of that stuff because um, when this was first happening in League of Legends, when the first LCS came out, we held on to players for namesake and and popularity and streamer sake for a little bit too long, and it damaged the North American, like, LCS um, competitive level, right? Like, it yeah. wasn't good. Like we lagged, and it's because we weren't willing to. The players, the players, not doing good. They're not doing their job. Drop them. Or this player doesn't get along with this player. This player's better. We'll drop that one and, and try and pull somebody else that that gets along with them. Yeah. Well, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, trades, uh, like official trades and free signing periods, start on Monday. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I will say one thing that's really cool is uh, my boys in blue, the London Spitfire, have not traded anybody yet. Um, the three, uh, the three to six players they announced uh, that they were benching at the start of the fourth stage of season one have all been released, but we all knew that that was happening. But yeah, they haven't released anybody yet, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, the one thing I am very, very on the fence about, though, um, so my wife... God bless her. I love her. She's the best. She's probably going to be a DC fan uh, because she grew up in the area. She went to college in DC and things like that. 
And I don't know if I can live in a house divided. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to say the least. <laughs> That'll be great, man. Well, and the other thing is, uh, the DC team, the guy that funded it, uh, has stock in Team Liquid too. So like he's been around the esports block for a while. They'll they'll probably be successful then. I, I think I'm, there is something to that. I'm pretty sure they will be very successful. So. I don't know. I, I think um, sometime in season two, we've talked about making a trip out to L.A. And now we're talking with all these new teams announced that we want to try and go during a time when London plays D.C. So I, I think that's we're going to try and do that sometime. That would be season. rad, man. You should you should really try and get out there. Um, that, that leads yeah. me to, to my second question, though. I know it's early. Go ahead. Who's going to win Overwatch League season two? Dude, I can't call that shot. I ain't clairvoyant. <laughs> I, mean, I ain't clairvoyant. I would like London to win, but the thing are is... Are they going to run it like, back? I would like to think so. I would absolutely like to think so, but the thing is, is like, all of a sudden, you're widening the field so much by adding eight more teams, you know? Well, that's and that's what I wanted to ask, is um, sounds like London is not going to make any changes, any, any sort of moves. Do you think all, having 20 teams... Um, theoretically, uh, 200 players, right? Is that going to, is that, are there enough players for this to be sustainable? Or do you think like a team like, like the Spitfire are going to be, uh, an arm and a leg above for the first, um, sorry, they're not called splits. What are they called? The first, uh, stage stage. Yeah. Um, because they're, they're keeping this same team. It's honestly too hard to say um, because here's the thing is like we're talking about, oh, they added eight teams and like eight such a small number, right? It's single digits. But when you consider eight teams of six players each, all of a sudden that's 48 players. You're adding, you know, 48 players minimum. Most of these teams are probably going to have rosters that go eight to ten people deep minimum, right? You would, you would think because you want to have backups, you want to have reserves, things like that. And, like, the other big thing is, like, in the Overwatch League contenders, Overwatch League contenders is, like, the minor leagues for the Overwatch League. Um, the South American teams clean house. Like, two of the South American teams right now in their second season are 17-3 and three out of 20. They're 17-3. and three. Like, they're really good, which is another reason it blows my mind that there's not a South American team, but you know, maybe they don't have an investor there, which, you know, it it is asking for a lot of money. That's not a very rich part of the world. That part I get, but adding 50 to 70 new players is not a problem. There's definitely the drive there. There's definitely the player count there, but I think the biggest problem is going to be what we were talking about um, like about two or three months ago, right before the Overwatch League finale for season one was, is that you're going to get teams that are like really, really good. And then you're going to get teams that are middle of the pack. And then you're going to get everybody else. And it's going to divide the team or the, the entire league really quick, I think. And I think that's going to be like the one downside to adding so many teams. Yeah. Do you think, I guess, uh, so uh, I, I, my theory, um, I think you're gonna have like six teams on the top that have like a two, three, four game advantage, um, and then you'll have uh, six teams in the middle that'll be pretty close to fifty, like a, like five hundred uh, on the season, and then you'll have um, 
eight teams that are just going to be bad. That's my theory. Yeah. What do you what? Yeah. What, what's like, your kind of? What do you think the breakdown of that's going to be? Like you like how many five hundred teams? How many over five hundred? How many below five hundred? I think what you're going to get is you're going to get at least for the first stage, like the first five weeks of competition, New York, London, and Seoul, Philly, and maybe Boston, based on performance from this season, this past season, are going to be duking it out. And I'm not talking like, you know, it's going to be just like, oh man, they're the best in the league. I'm talking they're going to be playing to win against each other. It's going to be some of the best games you will see all season. Um, I think those will be, you know, your top four or five teams. It's going to be London. It's going to be Seoul. It's going to be New York. The other teams, like, I think you're going to see, you know, the bottom three, like, as much as it pains me to say this, like, unless Shanghai hires three more Koreans, which they might not, you know, they might be on the bottom again. Like, Florida hasn't made very much moves either very many moves either so far and Florida was the second worst team in season one so they'll I I would like to see them become a mid-range team but they'll probably be down in the lower tier of things for a while yeah I I think I think the newer teams um have a lot higher chance of being middle of the pack or top of the pack than um the bottom teams established the bottom established teams I I think it's going to be a lot harder for them to climb up from there than uh, for the new teams to just be like, hey, look at all this money we have. Come play for us. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. I think the the thing is, so like DC, it's huge that their own, like that their owner has participated in esports before. They know, like Team Liquid's very successful. Team Liquid's been around twenty five years. You know, they're playing in the like, League of Legends final. Uh, yeah, this this season they they played in the spring and they're planning it again. For summer split. Yeah. And, I mean, they've drafted many StarCraft pros. Like, Team Liquid knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So, I think DC is probably going to be out of the new eight. I think DC is probably going to be in the top two out of the new eight, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely am behind you on that. I can't wait to see, like, the logos and the jerseys and the colors, though. I really hope that it's the DC Sentries, and then they pull... Uh, you've seen the replacements with Keanu Reeves, right? The football movie? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I hope that... I want it to be that team. <laughs> I don't think it'll be that team. <laughs> make, but make on the dream. flip side of it, I don't think it'll be like the Redskins either. So either way, it's gonna be a win. Ugh. Yeah. No, uh, Caitlin and I were actually talking about that. Uh, Caitlin's my wife. She's the one that lived in D.C. We were talking about it. So what do you name the team? Like, what is their logo and everything? And we got into the conversation of, can you copyright a skyline? Like, do you just do the skyline with the Washington Monument at one end and the Capitol at the other? But, like, can you copyright that? Like, you know? Mm. And, like, because it's D.C., do you do red, white, and blue, or is that two on the nose? I don't know. I think it's going to be fun. I can't wait to see them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's exciting, for sure. Perfect. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for joining us this week. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for our loyal listeners? Yeah. Hug your mom and dad. Wait, did I do that one last time? Well, do it again. That's a little violent. <laughs> 
You said it with a little too much gusto. Hug How up. about this? Hug your mother and father. No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, I'm not kidding. You should hug your mom and dad. Um, text a friend. Tell them how cool they are, even if you haven't seen them in a while. You know? That's, you know, develop those connections. And if you're a gamer, you're sitting down, you're playing. Just remember, everybody you're playing with, they're just having fun and they're playing too. So be kind to your fellow gamers.